Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. Of course, as always, he's Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb, and we're talking New Orleans Pelicans. The news of the day, uh, the injury to Trey Murphy III. Uh, Trey was working out and apparently uh, at the at the Pelicans facility and has injured his meniscus uh, in his right knee, Ali. I believe it's right knee. Yes, right. so uh, in his right knee, and uh, the the conservative estimates always with with though we don't know yet. They, they don't know if there's going to be surgery. They have not put a plan together. Conservative estimates with meniscus injuries of any kind are usually around six to eight weeks to get fully good to go. That's at the conservative end. Ollie, just on your gut um, for Trey Murphy, what's your what? what how do you think uh, this impacts the start of his season? Yes, obviously it's going to have an effect. And by the way, just for clarification, it's his left knee. Just left looked it up. Sorry, I, I thought it was his right too. But from what I'm hearing. And from what is now being speculated on the internet is that he's avoided like a bad case scenario, right? Some kind of really torn meniscus that's going to require surgery, which is going to have him out for half the year. It sounds like he's avoided that. Sounds more like he just had a small tear in the meniscus. And again, don't quote me on this, but that's kind of what I'm hearing through the grapevine. So if that's the case, that's probably why there's so much ambiguity, right? Like right now, usually teams know right away, especially if you're working at the facility, because of course, they've got the trainers there, the medical staff and such, and uh, they can probably do a quick test or at least get them to Oshner quickly and get the results um, in a timely manner. So the fact that even Woj isn't sure, and that's what's through the grapevine, right, is that they don't know, right, surgery or not. So that tells me that it is probably one of those smaller injuries that's, you know, depends probably what doctor you talk to. You can rehab it, and if that's the case, he may just miss a handful of games, but if there is surgery, then, of course, and I'm leaning towards whether he has surgery or not, David, as I just told you off camera, I think he's probably going to miss about a month's time. But here's the biggest thing, David. It's not the fact that all of a sudden he's going to miss some time. Okay, he's going to ramp up a little bit, come back. It's the fact that we've seen this, right? People should know this. When a player's coming into a season fully healthy and hasn't had to do any kind of rehab but worked on his game, worked on his body, that's a big difference between a player coming off a of rehab whenever that time is. So expect, for me personally, say Trey does come back, and whether it's a few weeks, a month, maybe even longer, I'm not expecting for us to see the real Trey Murphy maybe for at least another couple of months. So maybe we're talking, what, turn of 2024? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take him – any talk of him being in the starting lineup, that's gone because you have to go with the guys who are going to be in camp, who are going to be there every day physically. Um, and this team needs – some consistency in that starting lineup heading in because it's had none over the last four years to start the season. 
Maybe so, ever. <laughs> maybe ever. So, but at least in, in the Zion Williamson era, as we'll call it, the David Griffin Zion yeah. Williamson era. Um, so to me, yeah, that ends that. It also, though, puts the focus again on how this roster is constructed and who has to slide into what spots in order to, to, to keep this thing working in the meantime. Because the one thing, the, the one thing we know you've lost is five to seven three-pointers a game is what you were expecting from him. So you have to replace that. And that percentage, too. You're, you're talking about a 40-plus percent shooter from distance, that ability to knock down those shots. I don't know how many candidates there are on the roster to do that. So I think that impacts how the Pelicans run their offense early. It does. And I'll, I'll say this quickly and succinctly. Pelicans cannot replace Trey Murphy with guys on their roster or if they were to go find somebody that's sitting out there as a free agent. Can't do it. And we'll probably get into some potential, right, guys, maybe they should look at. But, no, the biggest thing with Trey is he's one of, I think, if you ask coaches around the league, other players, he's probably considered one of the top ten shooters, right, outside shooters in the league based on strictly his gravity. When he gets hot, when he gets a little bit of space, that ball's going in. Trey Murphy thinks it's going in. Right, He plays with that kind of confidence. So it's not just he can make some shots, make some open shots. It's the fact that his height, his ability to get hot, and it's a stroke that's been with him since you know college. right? So there th- wasn't any kind of you know maybe year, year and a half of fluke of what we've seen in the NBA. No, there's probably a good word with Trey Murphy, and everybody in the league knows he can shoot. So like I said, you can't replace that, David, right? So I think suddenly the offense – I don't care who you put in in his space, whether it's a guy that can shoot threes or not, it's not going to matter because I'll tell you what, opponents are not going to respect whoever they're guarding that's taking up Trey Murphy's uh, minutes now. It's, it's just that's the way it works. So, like I said, people are saying Jordan Hawkins, this is an opportunity for him. I know we'll probably get into it further, but I disagree. I don't think Jordan Hawkins is the next man up. I don't think he's ready for this challenge. And you've got to remember, it's Willie Green. He's not a guy that's going to play rookies especially first few months of the season. So, no, how it's going to work is what you basically just asked me. The offense, it's going to change. Now, can B.I. maybe soak up more threes? Because I know, you know, I, th- I think C.J. is going to take it upon him to look more for three-point shots. He's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a smart guy. I've been in the league long enough. I can see what this team needs and what can I provide. Well, that's one thing I can do. So, I think C.J. is going to take it upon himself, probably launch what? on average, per 36 minutes, at least three or four more three-pointers a game. So maybe we'll see him, what, cut down on his We need B.I. to double his production, too. Like, he shoots around two a game, get back to four, five a game. Oh, he's got a good Yeah. Yeah. Last year was two a game. So That's that's not enough, David. And look, we're kind of seeing right now, right, with the World Cup team, if he was that guy – he would have had probably a lot more shot attempts up to this point. And granted, the ball's not finding him. He's not initiating the offense. But there are some opportunities for him to catch and shoot. And I've only seen maybe, what, two to three of those shots in, what's five, six, seven games. He's got to step up that part of the game because he can shoot, right? The numbers bear it out. The shot looks good. I just wish that we would see it now. And that would give me more confidence going into this regular season. And frustrated. the other frustrating thing is the lack of – that he didn't get free throw attempt until today. Yeah, it was first free throw attempts of the entire tournament. And the the thing that we were impressed about his game the last couple of seasons was that he was 
much more willing to engage and use his body around the bucket. And I think in international play, you're going to get fouled. So taking it to the basket is, is, is an important part of the game in international play. You've got to get to the line. They're going to foul you. Really? I know. And look, I don't want to give any kind of excuses, but I feel like we're not seeing the best of Brandon Ingram because he doesn't feel like giving the best of Brandon Ingram. We know what he does when he catches the ball in the Pelicans uniform, right? He looks to be aggressive. He looks for his lanes. If it's there, he'll take it. And he'll take a strong too, right? He's built, he's worked on his body last couple of years, which has allowed him to absorb more contact. And that's what surprised me the most. The fact that he's not doing it here to where he's driving. And if he doesn't have an open shot, he's basically just driving and kicking a lot like reminiscent of Josh Hart, the way he plays. Right. So to me, that tells me that BI is just for whatever reason, intentionally taking a backseat. Um, so I'm not taking too much away from this world cup, I guess is the bottom line. So yeah, I'm hoping, I, right. Go ahead. I just would like to see him rebound more because that's what this like team to, needs. Yeah. David, we've had seven games. I was hoping to have at least one or two games where, okay, there's BI. Okay. He can turn it on. Okay. That's it's there. We haven't seen, and that does bother me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they needed the bigger guys, the length to to tack the glass in those two games that were close in the loss, and he really didn't step up in that. And you have Josh Hart out there grabbing nine boards a game. It was like it doesn't matter where you go though in the world, Josh Hart will figure out a way to get eight nine boards. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. Yeah, it's a poorly constructed team USA, right? In terms from standpoint yeah. over again, Jaron Jackson's not a good rebounder. I mean, he had what one against Lithuania. He's 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 not going to get your boards, basically. You got no natural rebounders on that roster outside of Hart, who is a natural rebounder. And then, and I wrote about this on the Bird Rights. Look, look how few All Star appearances there are. Look how few All NBA appearances there are. This is not a team made up of guys who have leadership and standing in this league. And so you have a bunch of guys who are still trying to figure out who they are in the NBA. We're talking about could Anthony Edwards be a franchise player? Jalen Brunson, as good as he is, is not a, an all-NBA first-team player. He's not going to be the best player on a championship team. How many guys on Team USA do you think legitimately would be the best player on a championship team? Outside of maybe Anthony Edwards, we're not thinking of any of these guys as a championship because I think there are holes in Paolo Bancaro's game that I think he's a little soft for his size, that I think he should be a better rebounder and and not shoot as many jump shots as he does. But I don't see that guy yet on this roster where typically Team USA has at least two of those somewhere on the roster. No, I mean, you're right. Walker Kessler's not getting the minutes, and it's understandable. They want to pay fast, and it's Steve Kerr. He's not going to be playing a slower plotting center that can't shoot. Uh, Bobby Portis, he's the other guy that we know can bump and, and grab rebounds. But again, he doesn't fit the game plan, the style of, of her. So outside of those two guys, I'm with you. There, there's nobody. In Bakara's defense, I like that what we have seen out of him is there's certain aggressiveness that he has shown he can play three through five. I think without a doubt, David, I think he's going to be a multiple-time all-star, multiple-time all-NBA player. It's there. But he, he's got to work on a shot. He's got to work on just fundamentals, understanding, positioning, all that type of stuff. Because I'm not seeing. For instance, when he plays center, if you're contesting a shot, guess what? Your job doesn't stop when you contest a shot. But it's those type of things that he's still learning, and he'll get it in time. But that's killing him right now, right? So when he's playing center, well, 
you need to have some help when he's contesting. Somebody else better go crash the glass. They're not. That's why I would. How many re- offensive rebounds did Lithuania have? Like 18, something like that. It was, it was a two-game stretch. They were they were doubled up on offensive yeah. boards, almost tripled up, and it was bad. I mean, it was just bad. Second-chance points. They were murdered over those two games. And, yeah, I, and, and it goes back to your point. Sorry to cut you off, but that's why you want to see maybe Bridges, all these other guys. They, they have an understanding of who's out there. And they're smarter players, right, than, than your general NBA player. And so for B.I., like to not go and crash the glass decisively. I've seen a few possessions where he's done it, but not consistently in his minutes, just like the rest of the guys outside of Josh Hart. And and, and, that, and that's a problem. So Team USA, yeah, they're susceptible, right, to a loss. We saw it. But I'll tell you what, they've got an easy path, I feel like, to get to the finals. They got lucky that, to me, they almost lost, right, that Lithuania game because that allowed them to go face – Italy, Italy, and now they're going to face what the winner of Germany and Latvia. Look on the other side of the bracket. Lithuania, who just lost, right, to Serbia, good team. Slovenia is over there, too, Luka Doncic. So they got very fortunate in this uh, um, uh, knockout rounds. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And, but they're susceptible. If they get, if they can't shoot the three one of these games and the other team is hitting the boards, they could be in danger of losing again. Um, let's move on to uh, a player that that you wrote about and 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 I think it's it's a guy that we've had our eyes on for a very long time going back to last season and it's Kyra Lewis Jr a player who this season is is the Pelicans have to make a decision about his future they spent a first round pick on him and in short minutes last year he showed some very good flashes as far as creating tempo, which was something that the, the Pelicans lack, defending, uh, shooting the three. He looks very natural doing it and finishing at the basket. Um, those things are in short supply in the Pelicans' backcourt. Why do you think Kyra needs to get more minutes this year? Oh, I hope that the Pelicans, the front office specifically, have no intentions of just dumping him, right, in order to – get under the salary tax at some point. So they, of course, they don't have to pay one at the end of the season. And just to move off of his contract, because I think there's a player that can definitely help. You've touched on some of the things. In his third year, David, he went from a below average player. Basically, he was non-playable his rookie season, understandably. He was 19 years old. But outside of that, that, that season understand, he started trending in the right direction, but then boom, he had that ACL injury. But boy, Last season, totally different story. He looked more confident. He looked stronger. Where he used to play with just one speed, which was ultra fast, and then, of course, opponents could get a read on it, he now had changes of gears. Of course, the playmaking dropped a little bit, but other than that, everything went up, right? How many times he got to the free throw line? Shooting threes, both catch and shoot and pull up threes. Looked very comfortable doing it. So much so that I even said, David, this to you, what? maybe a couple of weeks ago that if you look at the Pelicans roster, and this, this is before Trey Murphy got hurt, who else do you trust off the Pelicans bench to get you points? And for me, it was an easy answer because I looked into it, you know, Kyra Lewis looked at the tape, looked at his numbers, and I think it's Kyra. But now with Trey, right, hurt and conceivably needing to get, what, a couple months to get back up to real speed, I think Kyra absolutely is somebody that I'm hoping Willie Green looks at. Because Jose Alvarado tried to fill those shoes last year, right? And he got off to a decent start. He had that great game against the Denver Nuggets. He had some other good three-point shooting games. But overall, his offense was a net negative. 
He stopped playmaking at the rate he was as a rookie. In essence, almost every single number went down, even steals, right? His last two months last season, David, he averaged under a steal a game. That's not Jose. If he, Jose's not causing havoc, turning the ball over to where you're getting at least a couple easy buckets game, I'm not sure what he can give you because he can't finish at the at the rim. You know, he he can't leap with the athletes out there. He's not as savvy as you know some of these creative small guards that have been able to maneuver. He doesn't have that type of game. So for him to make an effect, it's defensively and it's playmaking. And so both of those slip too. So suddenly, I think there's a world of opportunity for Kyra. And I'm re- like I said, I'm really hoping on top of this uh, Trey Murphy injury that he gets a chance. I think he shined and he was removed from the rotation after they traded for Richardson, right? He, I don't know why, but he played, I want to say it was like 25 minutes total over the last 17 games last season, which is ridiculous when he was breaking out, right? When you're trying to look and see what you have in this young player, or at worst, you're showcasing him. So I'm very high on Tyra. And I wasn't when they drafted him. I thought that was, was a I. pick. I know. But now I think both of us have flipped to where we want to see what he's got because we think he can help this team. Yeah, we've seen him put in the work. And that was the main thing because we knew, as you said, when he came in, he was the youngest player in his draft class. And to come into the league the way he did, point guard being the most difficult transition to make from college to the NBA. And he read no real point guard reps because even when he was in college he, the ball was always in his hands it wasn't really running the offense it was Kyra do what you gotta do and and so I think we saw when he was in the game he was able to create tempo along with Dyson Daniels you look at this team you take away again if Trey is gone for any amount of time your second unit is devoid of real consistent shooting so what do you what and do you score. need yeah, to shooting do? And score. Yeah. What do you need to do? You need to create opportunities in transition. Dyson can help you do that defensively at the two. Kyra can help you do that defensively at the one. Herb can help you do that. Nance can help you do that. Najee can help you do that. That's what they excel at. And if you're getting in transition, now Najee can get catch and shoot rhythm threes in the corner rather than you got him working in the half court and taking a bad shot. Kyra's getting into the paint and creating looks for Larry maybe in the corner. Maybe you've got a B.I. Or, or Zion with that second unit playing off of them as well, and they're able to push and get in transition. I think Kyra, everything that you – and this is what something that we've been consistent about. Everything that people like about Jose, you should be able to get – but more and better and more consistently from Cairo. Yeah. The only thing you're not going to get is a showmanship, which is fun. And it has a place because it obviously gets under the skin of some opponents, gets the fans involved. So that all matters. But from a, just a talent standpoint, Kyra is everything I think that this Pelicans team needs. Um, look, you've mentioned transition. He was easily the Pelicans best guard, right? In terms of uh, scoring, right? Uh, effectiveness. Uh, averaging, I think it was like close to 1.3 points per transition possession. Everybody else was like a point or less, Dyson, Jose, CJ. And then you look across the numbers. We've already mentioned the three-point shooting, right? Whether it's catch and shoot or pull-ups, he was fantastic there. But I also like that he can create the offense. And where do you usually create it? It's isolation or pick and rolls. And again, Kyra shined in those moments. And he's because one reason, 
He's got a great handle, but even better, he's got one of the best, fastest gears in the league, right? There's some, there's so few players, I can't even name probably three, that go zero to 60 as fast as Kyra. So he can blow by anybody. He can. And we saw his anybody. floater as well, Ali. We saw his yeah. floater as well last year. So that's why, yeah, that's why I kind of said a few minutes ago, that's why I want Kyra to maybe be looked at as a six man. He's got that all around scoring ability. He showed it in Alabama. You know, he could shoot threes, finish, but also had that mid-range game. He can find others, push it in transition. I think he's the perfect guy to play next to Dyson, who's still, right, he's going to be working on his shot for a few years. You got Najee, who that's not his game shooting either. Jose, maybe catch and shoot, but really Jose's not a scorer either. So, Kyra, I don't know. If I'm looking at the if, if I'm looking at this roster and I'm David Griffin, Kyra should stand out like the shining beacon in a dark forest to me. He's the only one that can probably go in. You can put him out there, and he, he's either going to create offense because of his speed, because of his talent, or he'll get others involved, and you're going to need that with the second unit. It won't be Jordan Hawkins either. It won't be Jordan Hawkins. You cannot count on your rookie yeah. to come in and be that kind of spark when you saw. I mean, we saw from Summer League. He has a ways to go physically and mentally to be ready to play at this level. Um, lastly, Ali, you also talked about this week, um, and folks, you check this again. Check out the birdrights.com. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, at the World Cup, people have asked him. He says he wants to stay in New Orleans. He he does he wants to be part of this franchise, but it's clear that somewhere there's a disconnect either with him in the front office or certainly him and Willie Green um, as far as his role with this franchise. As long as Jonas is here, you gotta play him. But if they're not going to play him, what do they need to do? Yeah, look, we've talked about it for months. We want them to keep Jonas if you're not legitimately upgrading, right? So don't get this guy, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say JaVale McGee because everybody likes to make fun. But, you know, whoever's available, right, and just all of a sudden hand them the starting position. And this even pertains to other teams' players that come off the bench. So, like, maybe a Nas Reed, um, who else am I escaping? Like an Isaiah Stewart from Detroit, Daniel Gafford in Washington. And a lot of these guys will be starters this year, but tech have usually been reserves. And for good reasons, right? They're not legitimate centers. You can't rely on them to play 30 minutes. They're not good both ways um, to be able to, right, give you basically above average production. Jonas does that. Problem is he, and, and we've talked about ad nauseum, I hope others have too, to where all our listeners understand this by now. Jonas was underutilized last year. We know where his strengths are. It's being down low. You feed him consistently. You make him feel involved. And that, of course, in turn, ups his game on the other end, right? Defensively, rebounding, effort. Um, so Jonas, we saw him in the first season when Zion was out, was used pretty effectively for most of the year. And he had a great season. Last year, stopped getting his touches, stopped seeing minutes in the fourth quarter. And it's understandable. Willie Green wants to play a certain way. But again, if you're turning to like a Willie Hernan Gomez or somebody else, that's a losing proposition. So overall, what I basically, what it boils down to is, it sounds like the Pelicans have made up their mind, right? They want to change centers because stylistically, they want to play a different way because that's the way Willie Green wants to play, which again, it's a coach's right. He wants to play a certain way. And let's face it, his defenses, a lot of things he's implemented have fared well. So you want to give the coach what he wants to do out there, right? Give him the tools that he can most effectively use. And Jonas isn't that. So I touched on some trade targets, but it, it's a lot of people that we already know, right, David? Jared Allen, he's been rumored. Pelicans have shown interest in him. I already mentioned Isaiah Stewart. 
But there's a couple others I think you've really got to keep your eye on. And I'm really looking at Robert Williams up in Boston, and I know he's an injury risk. But look, when you go get Chris Stapps Porzingis, you're not suddenly going to be playing Porzingis and Williams together a lot because we know the way Boston likes to play. Because you've got big wings, right, and Brown and Tatum. And they don't want Porzingis playing a lot of four because they want to save his legs. So they'd rather him play five at this stage so he doesn't have to, to run nearly as much. Exactly. And you've got Al Horford, too. Right. So I think Robert Williams suddenly is going to be looking around. Why am I only getting 22 minutes a game? So I think he's going to want out. That's somebody they should chase because if it's not him. And again, I, I, I know Nick Claxton is not rumored to be on the trading block, but when you're a team and we know this, it's been proven over the course of time, these middling mediocre teams. Yeah. You may love your role players. And for instance, you have to think they love what, not just Nick Claxton, but you've got bridges and you've got cam Johnson, three great pieces, but they don't have a star. And if you look, I think what they go 12 and 15 after that trade and were swept in a first round by a, not a good Philly team. So what's your upside, even this season, right? The only thing is if Phil, or excuse me, if Brooklyn can land the star. So if they can get a Damian Laird, then of course that changes my calculus. But until they land that star, I think, look, if you're Sean Marks, you're, you've got to find the star and then you build around him because that's just how the NBA works. So unfortunately, you're going to have to lose a Nick Claxton or a Bridges or somebody to bring in all those type of future assets so you can score, right, land that star or two down the road. So that's why I think Nick Claxton, more likely than not, at some point will become available. So for me, it's clear. Claxton is 1A, and then probably Williams is 1B, and then everybody else kind of falls down below in terms of who you want to get to be the future center on this team for the next three years. And I like Jared Allen. And I think we all do, but he's making more money than those two guys. He's, I think, going to be making $20 million a year for at least another three years. So that hurts if you're going to plan on keeping CJ, right? Zion on BI. And then you're going to have to re-sign Trey. Herb just got a contract. So again, the money for a team that's not going to play the luxury tax, that's a problem. So that's why I'm not looking too hard at Jared Allen. It's got to be somebody that's making less money. Because from what I'm kind of hearing is Pelicans do want to bring Jonas if they can upgrade. But the problem is... I think he's going to want at least the same amount he's making right now, about $15 million or more. They don't want to pay definitely more, and they would nope. like to pay him less because of that salary cap. And, you know, Jonas is a guy that should play 25 to 28 minutes. That's his, that is his wheelhouse. If you give him that and you're utilizing giving him those touches, he can make a difference. He can create fouls. For, for your opponents because you have to deal with him on the block. He is your best offensive rebounder outside of Zion Williamson, but he's also a better offensive rebounder in the sense that he grabs more than just his own. Zion mm -hmm. is great on getting right his own offensive rebounds. Jonas is the other team's best offensive rebounder in total. And then you saw just an incredibly – he's so efficient offensively around the block. They don't have a lot of guys, especially when Zion is not on the floor – who are going to score with that kind of ease in the low post. This is not a long, you know, tall team that can score on the block. And I, I think that, you know, if you're going to have Jonas, you got to use him. And then, as you said, if you're going to replace him, you better get the things that you say you don't have. If you don't have shot blocking and if you don't have that pick and roll ability, somebody who can dive at the bucket for you, then that's what you better go get. Don't, They've not done that yet. They've not gone and got the athletic big who could defend the rim betting on Jackson Hayes, who's no longer here. But still, that guy does not exist on the bench either. 
you know, Cody Zeller obviously does not fill that type of role. You and I and others I know have high hopes for Lee and Robbins, but the high hopes, what they should amount to is the kid earns a two-way contract in this upcoming training camp. To ask and think that maybe he can fill real minutes right now stepping in the NBA, I just don't see it. And I know what he did in college. I know that shooting carries over, shot blocking carries over. But look, chances are he'd probably step in an NBA game, pick up three fouls in five minutes, right? And he's coming in injured too. Yeah. So he's yeah. missed this summer. Picking it's, it's, up teams, right, with guys. Yeah, so he's going to be behind. Yeah. So Pelicans don't have anybody. Nobody. So that's why Jonas is such a pillar that you should be careful to move off of. Because, David, this guy doesn't miss games, right? He hated the two – I think the two games he missed last year was two. Like, the lady first – And, yeah. like, one of them, they made him not play. Like, yeah. he was phys- – like, he wanted to be on the court. And they were just like, no – you're not playing tonight. And, and what was the worst season so far during the uh, Zion slash Griffin era? I know you know it. First season when Derek Favors and Zion went out, how yeah. bad was that? So can you imagine whether Jonas gets hurt or gets traded, and they take a chance on somebody that doesn't provide nearly as much as Jonas? I mean, and look, Zion look, and we've said this over again. You're counting on Zion if at best Zion gives you 65 games at best. At best, you're getting 50 from Larry. We've talked about this is you look at this front line. You only have three bigs on here who have played more than 40 games in a season over the last five years. <laughs> three. Yeah. That 40 games, Ollie, 40. And Jonas is the only one to top 60 three times in the last five years. He's the only to top 60. So I don't care what your best case scenario is with this front court. You have to anticipate that everybody in it is going to miss outside of Jonas is going to miss at least 15 games. Everyone in that front court. Look, Willie Green had to turn to Billy Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes at times when he didn't want to last season. So who's going to fill those minutes this year? Cody Zeller and EJ Liddell. Cody and Zeller's going off what his worst season of his career. And EJ Liddell's legitimately a rookie, right? He's got to learn the league. And yeah. he's six seven. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, if he, he may be multi-positional defensive-wise, but he does not solve your rim protection. Yeah. And he's not – and we saw in Summer League. He didn't put up big rebounding numbers in Summer League. So yeah, he turned right in on Team USA. <laughs> so I don't I, – that that's the concern going into this season. If you, if you get rid of Jonas at this point, and you don't have a legitimate center to come in. That 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 front court, I don't know what they do to rebound. I don't know how they stop people. It's going to look you're going to get a lot of those third and fourth quarters that we saw against Oklahoma City. Yeah, David, my guess is that obviously if they would have had certain targets like Jared Allen, they would have already made that deal. So the fact that we're here in September, everybody's set for training camp. Don't expect a deal till at least closer to the trade deadline. So my expectation is that not only is Jonas going to stick around, I think they're going to give him a contract extension because they see the he's got asset value, right? So you want to keep that asset around in terms of, you know, when you do come and make a trade. But as we just got done talking about, he's also got value as a player. And right now the Pelicans need both. So I wouldn't be surprised if they can get him, say, to agree to no more than what he's making now. So say two years, 30 million or less, they'll probably do it before we get into the season. Well, Ali, we're getting closer and closer to training camp. Hopefully we'll see um, a healthy 
by and large group coming in. We did see some pictures of Zion. He looks in shape. That's always good to see. Um, got to start somewhere. So, yeah. Got to start somewhere. And, and, and hopefully it continues for him. Uh, any final thoughts as we, before we get out of here? No, but admittedly, Zion came into last season right in shape. But I'll tell you what, we're hearing more from both people around him and just there's more stuff out there, right? Whether it's pictures, um, Instagram. He's really taken his conditioning up at least several notches. So I'm very excited. Look, we know he could carry this team single-handedly. He did it last season when Brandon was out, had the team number one. If he can play those 65 games, David, I don't think we're going to be even thinking about Trey Murphy missing a month, you know, say four months from now. That's the key. It's 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 all, quite literally, it's all about is Zion available for 65-plus games this season. It, 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 otherwise, you know exactly what this team is. Yeah. It is a middling team. You're trying to survive, yeah. Trying to make it to the eighth spot. That's yeah. that's who they are. Yeah, you want to play 500 ball. Exactly. So, until the next time, he is Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. Check us out at thebirdrights.com and the Bird Calls, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, right here on YouTube. Make sure you click the subscribe button, like it, comment, share it, uh, whatever you need to do to tell more people about it. And, uh, One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.